Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. G'day and welcome to the Farms Advice Podcast where we talk everything agribusiness. Whether you farm it, service it or love it, we're improving farmers and farms across Australia one episode at a time. And now, kicking off this second episode for 2022 with our recent podcast partnership with APEN. 2022 conference. It is the Australasia Pacific Extension Network that looks at this year's theme of facilitating change and the opportunity from disruption. It sums up what we've been through in the last five years as farmers, facilitating the change that has come about from droughts, floods, fires, and even the pandemic, and how it has impacted agriculture and the change that has come with it as well. The pandemic has really spiced things up as well, and but also sped things up as well for agriculture. It was a trying time for farmers as the supply chain has been trialled and tested 10 times over throughout 2020, 2021 and 2022. So I'm really excited to bring you a selection of the finest guests from the APEN network and to kick us off for today's episode is Ruth Nettle. Her work in dairy, the cooperative joint venture in capacity building and in projects such as the rural research and development for profit. Private sector projects has encompassed very practically based projects which looks at assisting change on farms as well as developing extension professions and capacity. Hence, supporting APEN's mission in promoting the role of extension in rural change and really in 2022, we are coming up to a lot of change as agriculture. I'm looking really forward to what the next five to ten years does bring for myself on our family farm, but for others out there as the podcast. So 
Let's waste no more time and get into it. Ruth, how are you going? Good, thanks, Jax. Great to be here. Great to have you on, Ruth. All part of the APEN, the conference coming up very soon around the corner that we've partnered up with to bring the extension, the Australasia Pacific Extension Network to the airwaves for Australian farmers right across Australia to see how we can do more within our community. So let's kick it off with a bit of about yourself, Ruth, and your background and where it's landed you today. Yeah, well, um, it's been a really interesting background from my perspective um, in agriculture. Um, I did start out as a city girl who um, had lots of family on farms in, in Western Victoria, even though I was in New South Wales. Um, so that's sort of where my interest started. Um, but then I went and did a rural science degree um, and took it a bit further. And then um, my first sort of job out of that was working in a farm advisory role and extension role in, in Tasmania. Uh, then, you know, I've done work as a rural financial counsellor in Victoria, but then I got into social research and that's uh, where I've stayed. Um, it's a little bit different um, around the social science of agriculture. And yep. I've been doing that for about 20 years or so. And I've got two main areas that I work in. Um, I really focus on the agricultural workforce and the issues there and the ag innovation and extension system. Uh, and I've found myself the convener of the APEN conference in 2022. So it's really exciting. Absolutely. Great to be a part of it all as also for us as the podcast, pretty extensive network that is there and that's coming up in February. So your connection to agriculture started in New South Wales, led you to Victoria, Tasmania, and where are you based at currently? Yeah, so right now I'm at the University of Melbourne in the Faculty of Veterinary and Agricultural Science. Um, I actually am based at the Melbourne or Parkville campus, uh, but we do have a farm and campus in Dookie near Shepparton in Victoria, so I spend a bit of time there as well. Great stuff. So let's break it down for anyone out there. The basics of extension, tell the audience and also myself about what it really means and the importance of it. Yeah, it's a really good point because extension um, has got a lot of history as a term um, all around the world. Um, but fundamentally, extension is about the process of facilitating desirable change. Um, so helping people make the changes that really improve their farming um, and their, um, their situation. Um, so it's not just, a lot of people think it's about the extension of, you know, research to people yep. to use. Um, but we and the extension network in Australia sort of see it much more broadly just about it is really about um, that two-way street, I suppose, of, of achieving change and supporting change. So, you know, it, extension can be about helping adoption of useful technology. It could be about helping change attitudes um, and practices. Uh, it could be about uh, helping, um, you know, policy uh, outcomes be achieved well, um, helping communities, um, connecting people. Um, so it's just that that process of facilitating change. And um, 
I suppose why I think it's really important and I think it's got even more important uh, since I began in extension in um, all those years ago is that there are more and more challenges facing ag. Um, There can be workforce challenges, there's escalating social licence pressures, there's drought, um, you know, adapting to climate change. So all this means that you've got to have a really good system of learning and being able to adapt and innovate quickly. And that needs a free flow of information and knowledge uh, from the ground from research, uh, from extension people that know who's out there and what they're doing. So you need all that really working together really well. And that helps innovate, that helps agriculture adapt and helps farmers learn. So that's why I reckon extension is really important. Um, It's changed a lot, but um, it's so important for the future of agriculture. Absolutely. I couldn't believe like how much, how important it was for last year that we went through as farmers and also dealing with a pandemic new technologies coming on board that we're needing or wanting to adapt and adopt and seeing if they work for our own platforms but also dealing with the droughts environmental problems floods to too much rain to too many fires around the place it can play an important part in getting that knowledge out there yeah that's right and i think um there's been so much changes to how extension's funded and who's doing it. Um, it's not just all public sector now. There's all these big changes that have happened to the extension system itself. And I think you're absolutely right. What we've learned is that with those challenges, you need that this really good extension system as well. So, yeah. Absolutely. And as a new age farmer, there's a few big changes Coming up, as we go into a more digital world, even farmers, we're getting more digital the way we work with things. So it's a pretty exciting space that you work within. Have you seen a huge change from when you first started out in the industry to now of what extension means for agriculture? Yeah, um, in my research role, um, I've so I've lived in the extension role, and now I get to to research and look at those changes. And we were fortunate to be able to do a big piece of research about extension and to ask farmers about um, what was working for them and what wasn't um, in the 2017-2018 sort of years um, as part of a rural R&D for profit program from the federal government. And what uh, we were able to do is um, surveyed, you know, over a thousand farmers across Australia from all industries and all states, um, as well as about 700 advisors and people that uh, were working either in the public sector, uh, farm management consultants, uh, farm input providers, a whole range of advisors as well. And we really uh, were able to ask them how um, they accessed and sourced information and advice, um, what their role was if they provided advice, and what some of the constraints and issues were in the system and, and how they might be able to be addressed. And so it was really interesting work and it really showed that um, farmers um, or different um, production systems of farmers really had different t- ways of accessing and using information and advice. Probably no surprise um, yep. because of our uh, RD Rural Develop, um, yep. Research Develop Corporations, but it was very much um, a knowledge system that was specific to particular industries. Um, but some, some significant findings there were that 
there were a lot of, of farmers that said they didn't always know where to go for information and advice and support. Um, and it was quite high percentage, you know, over 50% said that they didn't always know where to go. And that's that's really an important finding because it means that, um, yeah, farmers are really looking for, uh, who, you know, where are the networks, where are the people that they um, could really access uh, to help their, their farming. Um, we also found another interesting uh, point was that farmers were using a, a whole diversity of advisory and information sources. So it wasn't just um, government, it wasn't just their RDC, it was a whole range. And in fact, we found um, farmers used on average four different um, sources of information, advice and support. So it, it really just means that there's not one organisation or you can't expect that one place is going to have everything that you, you need to help um, the situation or improve what you're doing. Um, so, and the third area we found is that um, farmers are likely to, or saw or um, sort of imagined that their need for information, advice and support was definitely going to increase. Um, so 40, 50% of farmers saying that, that that's definitely going to in increase in the next few years. So it really, um, yeah, showed that there's, yeah, we really need to work on improving our, our information and knowledge systems. Um, what it also found, which is what you touched on, is that the methods and mediums for farmers accessing information advice, you know, haven't necessarily changed much, but have been added to. So yeah. whereas, you know, there was, you know, farmers might, be involved in discussion groups or they might be involved in trials, um, they might go to field days. What we found is there's an increase in the use of the internet for information and advice, uh, use of webinars um, and use of, you know, these sort of modern information communication technology tools for their information needs as well. Um, but it hasn't replaced um, what you call the, the old style of things. It's just that there's more and more being added to. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think that you're going to replace the old style as quick as you may any other industry, but it's important that they do feel comfortable with the resources they've used and how farmers seem to be quite loyal to the resources that they get their information from, especially within agriculture. And it's also no small feat to get a thousand farmers to fill in a survey as well. So that's good work. Oh, thanks for that, Jack. Actually, it's it's really interesting. It's um, the secret um, was the fantastic network that we had as well um, to farmer groups, to uh, other farmer organisations that really encouraged the filling out of that of that survey. So um, it is all about networks. And what you just said is exactly right. That what we need is more um, more collaboration between researchers, advisors and farmers um, and all those different service providers. Um, so seeing it as, as a really rich learning and knowledge system that, you know, uh, lets or makes all boats rise, I suppose, yep. um, as so important. And the, I suppose, I mean, I know that 
um, it's really important for the advisory system to be strong. Um, I know that farmers, um, you know, learn from each other and make their own decisions um, that way, but having a really strong advisory system is so important. And so what we found in that work was that advisors equally um, get a lot out of the field days, um, you know, the webinars, so that's part of their professional development as well. So um, they're part of that learning system. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just catching up for a sausage sizzle at your local field days. I think I get a lot out of them and it's pretty cool to see new technology or just see what others are doing out there or what's coming new onto the market. Yeah. And so a summary of research for has been conducted, Extension Farmers, in that survey. What else did you notice from that survey? Yeah, um, there was a lot of things. Sorry, you might have to cut this bit, Jack. <laughs> there was lot, lots of um, lots of things in there. I'll just pick up one of the things. Um, yeah, there was lots um, of different aspects of farmers' experience that we picked up uh, from that survey. Um, no surprise to farmers, but what we found was um, that the use of the farm input providers, um, so seed, fertiliser, um, were, were now a very common source of information, advice and support that they received. Um, so over 80% of farmers listed uh, them as really important in their farm decision making and the changes that they were making. And so I think, um, you know, that was well, that confirmed, I suppose, what a lot of what we knew, but um, also means that it's important to include them in ensuring that uh, knowledge is updated um, and um, that there's, um, yeah, ongoing um, involvement of, of that group as part of the advisory and extension system. Yeah, absolutely. So great to see that the survey has given you some great results that you can go off and see how you can better improve that for farmers to see that they are more supported. But let's backtrack and the changing landscape of extension. In the notes before, we were looking at public, private and community. Can you just touch on this a little bit and how it plays in each of those three categories? Yes, yeah, so um, what's been happening in the Australian landscape is that in general, um, over the last 20 or 30 years, um, government had been withdrawing um, its uh, state-based input into extension, um, mainly to let the private sector, I suppose, fill some of those gaps, um, and then also to focus more on what could be called some of the public good things, things around catchment, management, biodiversity, um, etc. And look, many countries, you know, we also study the international landscape and many countries had, had sort of followed that path. Um, and what's been happening over the last decade or so is um, uh, some privatisation and more, diff more and different organisations moving into the space of delivering or being available for delivering of extension. Um, and so what we have is um, what they call in the international space pluralistic or um, a diverse set of organisations that get involved in extension. And what's really interesting about Australia is um, the role that farming systems groups and farmer organisations play in the extension landscape. 
um, where they're not necessarily as strong in some other countries. So really what we have in terms of extension provision in Australia now is this, there is still um, government involvement at state and federal level. Uh, there is uh, private organisations, farm management consultants and large advisory uh, fee-for-service type organisations. Um, we have the strong role of the industry bodies, the Rural Research and Development Corporations, of which many now play a role in extension. Um, and we also have um, some other emerging um, groups within the community and, and catchment area uh, doing extension, as well as even in the supply chain, uh, so meat and grains and dairy, et cetera, uh, where people are um, embedded in companies and provide an extension role. So it is um, very diverse um, arrangements with extension now, who's doing it, how they're doing it. Um, and that's why it's really important to, to think about, you know, how extension more broadly is working for farmers because it involves so many different groups and organisations these days. Well, absolutely. And it's probably where it needs to be as well because agriculture is so diverse. No one person can know everything, the updates of what's coming on. We're mostly livestock, so but we still struggle to find out what's the latest update on eggworm counts or something similar to what's really going to impact your bottom line or get you through the season? Yeah, and especially on the, um, we found quite a difference between the use of uh, fee-for-service advisors between the cropping and the livestock industries. And um, I think um, it's very important uh, around the complexity of livestock systems and not necessarily the high use of private consultants that it's really important to um, ensure that there is a, a mix of these um, information and advisory um, sources um, because that's what helps the innovation process. Yeah, absolutely. And also, like, throughout your research, have you picked up on some areas that don't seek out extension or valid inf important information to get them through their year and improve so like livestock do they use it less than what cropping would that's how i would see it play out yeah it's really interesting what we found uh was that overall livestock farmers spent less on uh, fee-for-service advisors than the cropping and, and cotton and high input sort of um, high value yep. horticulture sectors. So um, we definitely uh, found that. But interestingly, um, the number of advisors was slightly higher in the livestock system. So um, they might be paying less overall, but they've also got more advisors. Um, and so that speaks to some of the complexity of livestock systems, whether you're needing agronomy for the pasture sort of area or animal nutrition and, and veterinary services for the animal side. So um, we found a higher or more use um, of advisors um, or the number of advisors in, in livestock farming. Um, but overall, what was really interesting is irrespective of whether people paid for the fee-for-service advice, um, we found that farmers, that if they did pay for that advice, they had overall more sources. So they weren't just using or relying on their paid advisor. Yep. They're still you know, networking into that system of information advisory sources. And in fact, they had greater use of all those if they did pay for a fee-for-service advisor. Um, and so what was probably, and that was 
consistent across livestock and grains as, as well. And so it, it really showed that many farmers are now really, they've got rich information advisory networks um, and that it's really important to ensure that those um, networks are, are linked up as well, researchers and advisors as well as farmers. Yeah, absolutely. I see the power in having advisors and then you going into your own pocket of community farmers and really bouncing those ideas around to see and put those to a challenge and test them and see if they do work out and really see how you can benefit. And then maybe you can go back to the research and see what can be amended or what didn't didn't work in the practical side of it all. Yeah, that's that's right. And I think um, the connection with research is is also um, pretty important because some of those links have um, been cut or weakened yep. over the last few decades as well. And so I think there's, um, I suppose, a lot of uh, efforts going on now to connect researchers, advisors and farmers more. Yeah, as you said before, it should be a two-way street where information flows a little more freely. So you, as a researcher, can get some feedback on what you've been working so hard on throughout the year. Yeah. And also the importance of working in extension, looking at the technical knowledge, how important it is to play that out and for farmers to utilise that, but also social knowledge. Can you talk a little bit about this and what social knowledge and how we should be having this in our toolbox? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, for, um, you know, all my conversations with farmers, they recognise this as well, that it's great to have someone who knows their stuff and um, can talk to you about what's going to work on your farm and um, how it's going to work and what it's going to achieve. But equally important is someone who understands the farming goals, understands if it's a family farm, the um, family's vision and aspiration for the operation, um, someone who can empathise, someone who um, doesn't uh, automatically quickly jump to, you know, the, the solution but, but works it through, you know, someone who builds um, the farmers and the farm family capacity as well not just always being that external input to advice someone who might be a coach someone who um, really can connect people to other people etc so they're all the skills you know often called soft skills yep. um, but they are the fundamentals of extension and extension practice along with really understanding the motivations, the attitudes, um, behaviours and activity and practices um, of farmers and really thinking about how farmers are different, what might work for one farmer might not for another in terms of this social context, not just technically. Yep. And so that's really what extension people and the extension uh, function, I suppose, really um, needs to be across. So it's that Classic, they've got to be technically good, but also got to be socially good and have, the, have these um, skills. And so that's where APEN, the um, Professional Association for Extension Professionals, comes in because it's the avenue and the venue for building skills and capacity in that side of, um, of agriculture. So the technical is very important, but um, APEN really focuses on how do we facilitate change um, better? 
how do we um, really understand the different audiences of, of farmers and, and work with them? How could we, you know, make our online platforms better? What innovation could we bring in? Oh, maybe podcasts. <laughs> um, these sort of things um, are what um, it's really important for advisors and people working in extension to be continually improving this aspect of what they do and not only their technical knowledge. 100% and supporting that change. Something with the podcast I've been trying to tackle and want to help out with is probably the one-man bands out there and the husband and wife teams that maybe they're outside fencing all day or they're outside planning in the planning season or in, even in horticulture have their own little allotment there. How can we build capacity within these teams and also get the jobs done on the other side? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head that farming is a team. Yeah. Uh, is it as a team thing now? And even if it's not within the family, it's who's the team that you can bring around you. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that can be a virtual team. And I think more um, it's going to be more common um, for that virtual team uh, to, to be there. So I think that that's one message that um, it's more and more important to, to grow networks and, and get different views and get a range of people around you in a farm business that can really help and contribute and knows you and your farm and, and um, how, you know, you might be able to progress. And so I think things like you know, the podcast and um, also having people that you can go to, whether that's virtually or in person, um, that are part of your farm team. Um, so it's not just employees that yep. are your farm team. Um, it is your, your advisory network, your information sources. Um, so I think definitely taking the opportunities like these podcasts and seeking the things that really can make a difference to the farm business and, and a lot of that might be online these days. Yeah, I really think the pandemic has sort of sped that up and the older farmers, are, okay, right, I do need to jump on this Zoom to have a meeting with my farmers 500 k's away or something like that or even their advisor in the city to make those bigger and better decisions rather than just sit there on your own and not taking any external information yeah it, it's a, can be a hard step to make and so it can be made slowly just you know um, a step at a time um, to to reach out or find something that might have been advertised that that looks a bit interesting and and jump jump on so this is where we found uh, webinars have been pretty important as I yep. said to advisors as well as to farmers where something that you know if you're feeling a bit uncertain generally webinars are done in a confident you know private space so you can just watch and listen and if you don't want to ask questions um, you know you don't need to but you might pick up something from the questions that are asked by others and so I think there's small steps that can be made in the virtual space that um, really can connect people and help people on their journey. And I said, well, I think it's really exciting to lead this in into APEN 2022 and what it all has to offer. This Australasia Pacific Extension Network will play an important part in how farmers can really bolster and build that capacity within their own team and externally, like we just discussed, on the two-way street. That's right. Um, yes, yeah, so um, APEN um, has been um, around for a few decades um, with over 600 or so members and really focused on how um, 
change can be supported uh, more effectively and what are the tools and skills and knowledge that you need to do that. And a great feature of, of the conference, so we run um, domestic and inter or international conferences on a schedule, yep. um, the great feature is that it's practitioners, people that are working on the ground that get to present like what they've done, what they've learned, what then others could learn from it. And so this um, conference in February, we've got a big focus on learnings from the pandemic, uh, what the shift to sort of online, online field days, online demonstrations, you know, what has that meant? What are farmers, um, how has the farmer experience um, occurred? You know, what are the lessons? How can we make it better, et cetera? So there's a, a really good theme of papers and presentations that are, um, that are on that topic, as well as lots of others, including um, the international space, what's being learned internationally, what's being tried. And, you know, we've had over 80 papers and presentations made. Um, we've also got some masterclasses um, occurring the day before the conference on facilitation our facilitation skills, um, facilitating online, so how to make the online experience super, uh, as well as evaluation, which is another key part of the extension role, which is that how do we know what we've done is making a difference? And so um, that's there as well. Yeah, so some really great learning opportunities um, the aim being to improve what we do and so farmers to, to benefit from that and um, some great professional development as well. Absolutely. Can't wait for early Feb for the APEN conference. It's going to be something that farmers can really look, look into and see if it's for them uh, right across Australia pending COVID restrictions. Really hoping it can get that go ahead, but surely by now we should be fine to go ahead with that. What are you looking forward to so much for about the APEN 2022? Oh, absolutely everything, Jack. Yep. Um, but it's it's funny. This morning um, I was having a meeting with one of my students. Um, they're doing their master's and specialising in agricultural yep. extension and they're coming to the conference and um, also they're going to volunteer at the conference and um, but they're so excited about it you know they talk to me about everything on the program that they're really looking forward to and I think that excitement from the younger generation um, has has increased my excitement um, I'm really um, looking forward to hearing from our keynote speakers so for instance we have Professor Sharon Lewin from the Doherty Institute talking about communicating science in a pandemic and what uh, you know the inside story to that and, and what the Doherty Institute have tried to do and um, how they've gone about communicating um, you know the, the issues and challenges around um, viruses in the community um, so the keynote speakers all great looking forward to them all those different presentations from practitioners um, and you know some of the social events along the way and look absolutely we've always planned that this conference could be online and only online um, at the moment we're still holding our breath but absolutely if it shifts to fully online we're fully prepared and we'll have an exciting program including you know those networking and social events but in an online format Absolutely. So APEN 2022 will go ahead regardless of restrictions. So if you look that up on Google, you'll be able to go ahead and register if you're keen to get into it. And I'll have a few of the notes in the show notes below.
So, Ruth, thank you very much for coming on the very first for the APN conference, but also for joining me for Farms Advice, second full year in 2022. It's been a pleasure and I wish you all the best too, Jack. Thank you. Just before you go, though, what would be one piece of Farms Advice you'd like to pass on from your learnings to farmers right across Australia? There's always someone that um, you can talk to about any issues and challenges that you face in, in farming and the wider your networks, um, then the, the greater, I suppose, opportunity you'd have to find solutions. Um, so don't hesitate to, to put yourself out there and, and ask uh, for support. Absolutely. Get networking, farmers. Thank you for listening to this episode with APEN 2022 Conference. And thank you for Ruth for her time. Tune in on Wednesday and see what it's all about at farmsvice.com.au. We'll have all the notes in there. Until then, keep on farming. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.